0: Welcome and greetings, career-minded superstars. You are listening to the exclusive Career Coach, your podcast for all things career. And I'm Lisa Edwards, the indispensable career coach for superstars just like you. Now let's dig into this week's topic, shall we? Greetings, how are you today? How is your 2020 going so far? I don't know about you, but I think there's this Sense of excitement and enthusiasm and just energy around 2020 that I've not seen in I don't know that I've ever seen it at this level. And so I'm really excited about what that is about and what that means for us as uh, people with exciting career possibilities and goals. And today, we're going to have a a fantastic topic with someone that I've uh, known for a couple of years now, Mac Pritchard, which I'm going to let him introduce himself in a minute. But he reached out to me, I guess it's been a couple of years ago now, Mac, to be on his podcast, which he's going to tell you about. And uh, he has a list, annual list of top uh, career folks, and uh, he has had me on that list um, in, in the exclusive career coach for a couple of years and so pretty excited about that. And so we're gonna talk about how to hack the hidden job market. And I've talked about this statistic before that somewhere between 75 and 80% of all jobs are never advertised. And I've, I've gone into depth about why that is and, and what that's all about, but we're gonna really talk about how do you access that because that really is the key to career success and looking for the job of your dreams. I have said it a million times, you guys, if all you're doing is looking at job boards by the basis of that statistic, you're missing something in the neighborhood of three out of every four or four out of every five jobs that could be available to you. So you're just really wasting that treasure trove of possibilities. So Mac, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Lisa. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Well, why don't you start by telling them about yourself a little bit about your background and what's going on with you now, and then we're going to dig into this topic of the hidden job market.
1: I operate a regional job board in the Pacific Northwest, MaxList, and we publish about seven to 800 jobs a month, Lisa. We've been doing this now for almost 20 years, and though in our early days, the number of jobs were much, much smaller. But we also recognize, and I'm so glad we're talking about this topic uh, because we recognize that many jobs are never posted. And so we invest, if you go to our site, in a lot of resources that help people get good at job hunting as a skill. We also know from working with employers that the customers that we serve, small and medium sized nonprofits and uh, uh, companies, For them, hiring is not a frequent event. And so many of the hiring managers that candidates meet aren't trained in interviewing, writing job postings. And so we help companies and nonprofits get better at that as well. And what drives us is service. It's a really important commitment to service. And I have to say on a personal note, well along in my career, I've been in the workplace for several decades now, and I know what it's like to be fired I know what it's like to be laid off, and I know what it's like to cash that last unemployment check, Lisa. And that's part of what inspired me to start sharing job postings. And also, I recognize that being a service to others and networking, even when you, you're not looking for work, is one of the most important things you can do. And that's, the, that's how MaxList and sharing of job postings got started. And that's the story of our site.
0: That is so interesting. I did not realize that you were also helping the small to medium-sized employers. And I'm as you were saying that, I was thinking of a service provider that I have here in Tallahassee. He's a small business, he's it's a medical practice, and I'm I'm in there frequently in his practice, and he sees me as his de facto HR advisor for some reason. <laughs> and just the other day I was creating uh, uh, just pulling some information off the internet for him about some hiring policies that he might want to adopt. But it's so so true that, you know, if you assume that every HR person that you're going to run into at all companies, that they're all professional HR people and that they've all been thoroughly trained, you would be wrong, wouldn't you?
1: You would. <laughs> and I, I think if your listeners reflect on it, most uh, employers out there are have fewer than 50 employees. And as you know, uh, organizations don't add a full-time HR person until they hit maybe 20, 25, or 30 employees. So the odds are if you're applying at a a smaller organization with fewer than 30 or 25 employees, the person who's writing the job posting, who's uh, sending out the ads, who's managing the process, who's running the interviews, they got hired to do something else entirely. And so they're learning on the fly how to do this. And my experience has been that when candidates have a bad experience uh, with hiring uh, in a situation like that, it's, it's not because of bad intentions. Uh, it's because the person who's in charge has another full-time job and they just haven't had formal training in, in how to hire and uh, negotiate and, and bring people on board.
0: Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. So, so we've got this topic of the hidden job market and the statistic around that. Why is there a hidden job market?
1: Because people tend to work with people they know, like, and trust, or who are referred to them by people they know, like, and trust. And uh, the good news here is that these don't have to be intimate, deep connections that go back decades. But I think it's important for job seekers to recognize this principle and then to uh, ask themselves how they can act on it. And if you recognize that hiring managers are going to give extra attention to applications, they come to them through referrals then your challenge becomes how can you organize your job search and your time and what you do to uh, create those referrals because you can do it and referrals can come from the weakest of ties uh, but they make a huge difference over applying through more formal just applying sending in a formal application alone so i think job seekers need to recognize there are two doors typically to Any job, there's a front door and a back door. The front door is going through the website, formal uh, application tracking system. Uh, But there's a back door, too. And sometimes there's going to be a formal process, but there's always a back door. And there are ways you can find that door and walk through it. It's not going to guarantee you that you'll get the job, but it's going to increase the likelihood so much more.
0: It's so true that people want to hire people they know, like, and trust. And in fact, uh, and I don't know what the prevalence that you see of this out in the Pacific Northwest, but so many companies have a formal referral process with their current employees where there is a a bonus of some amount of money or a gift card to a certain place if they send someone to the company who is then hired. Uh, Are you seeing that as well, Mac?
1: I do. And the other thing I see all the time, and I'm, I'm sure if your listeners reflect on this, they'll recall this too, we've all gotten an email from a former colleague or a vendor, someone we know professionally, who says, hey, we're hiring over here at Acme Corporation, attaches the job posting, please send good people my way. And everybody gets those postings, some more frequently than others. And again, you can organize your job search. And I know we're going to talk more about this uh, to increase the likelihood that you get those kinds of referrals. And I, I do want to say another reason why managers do this is, as you know, Lisa, hiring is expensive and time consuming. It typically can take three to six months to replace someone. And if it doesn't work out, it's not good for the candidate. And it's not good for the company, because then you have to let the person go and then you have to start all over again. So that's another reason why referrals are so important in hiring uh, and why managers tend to either look to people they know personally or have worked with or rely on these referrals from employees and colleagues.
0: And sometimes in, in my experience, the reason that the job is hidden is because there really is no job, right? There's this thought in someone's head or there's this awareness of the hiring manager's need, right? I just found out that so-and-so is not coming back from maternity leave or something like that, but it hasn't gone past that phase, and there's just something very serendipitous when you can kind of slide in there and be their solution before they've posted, because then your competition is exactly nobody. (laughs) It's kind of perfect, right?
1: Yeah, and you're right. Sometimes there's an urgent need, uh, someone is going on leave, and Or someone has uh, left unexpectedly and there's a looming deadline or or, uh, a business problem that needs to be solved quickly. So if you're the manager, you're thinking, well, I could hire this this lady I've worked with before. She can start in two weeks, or I could go through a formal hiring process that might be two, three months before I have somebody in here. And I've got to solve this problem quickly.
0: Absolutely. I've certainly heard those stories from a lot of my clients, even... Even ones that will be told, no, there is no job, or the job has been filled, and then just a couple of weeks or a month later, they get a call saying, hey, that job is open, all of a sudden, because the person didn't work out or never did start, and now all of a sudden, because they were in the loop, and they had had a conversation with this person, now they've come up to the front of the line.
1: Exactly. And having those, creating opportunities to have those conversations during your search it's going to again increase the the, the odds that you'll hear about uh, those openings, uh, because people will know about you and what you can do. And uh, informational interviews are a great way to identify those those hidden opportunities and to let employers know what you can do and 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 how you can help.
0: Exactly, boy, we are we are certainly on the same page with with all of this. So, what are some of the sort of strategies that help job seekers get into that hidden job market.
1: Begins, Lisa, with being clear about what you want and knowing what your goal is, uh, what kind of position you want to pursue, and where you want to go. You got to know what you want and where you want to go. And when I say where, I mean, you need to have a list of, of employers that you're most excited about and got to spend time looking at that list and investigating those companies and and organizations to be sure that it's a a good fit. But once you know what you want and where you want to go, then you can identify people inside those those companies and begin to have uh, what are called informational interviews. And I expect your listeners are very familiar with this. These are structured conversations, typically 20 to 30 minutes, where you go in and you, you really accomplish three things. You introduce yourself and share your goals. The second thing you do is you ask specific questions that are going to be helpful to your search. Maybe there are some objections you think employers might have about your interest in a particular job or or your qualifications. You can find people who might have had similar challenges and ask them how they overcame them, for example. Maybe you don't know anyone. You're new to the area and you're trying to build, uh, uh, identify the most exciting or employers. Uh, you can reach out to people within your network and begin to have conversations will help you do that uh, The third thing you want to do uh, in, after you 've shared your goals and and you 've asked those specific focused questions is ask for recommendations about other people you might talk with and if you do this you 'll grow your network you 'll get insights into what matters to employers and you 'll introduce to others so that as openings happen. People will think of you and tell you about them.
0: And LinkedIn is really your best friend throughout this process, both in terms of sourcing people and then in terms of kind of keeping those relationships going in a, in a formal kind of way by connecting with them online. Would you agree?
1: I do. And what's wonderful about LinkedIn is once you have a list of employers that you, you want to explore, LinkedIn makes it so easy to find people your first degree connections who work at those organizations and uh, if you don't have any first degree connections uh, uh, you find people who can introduce you to others who, who do work at those places. The other thing that's wonderful about LinkedIn is once you connect with someone if you publish regularly on LinkedIn uh, and I'm talking about maybe once or twice a week sharing a, an article or other information that's relevant to your industry and and your professional interests. People will see that in their feed, they'll think of you, you'll remain on their radar screen. I do want to also point out another wonderful resource that often goes unused are are college alumni databases. I know many of your listeners are professionals and have gone to colleges or universities and those databases are full of wonderful contacts uh, and, and all across the country, wherever you might be, even if you left uh, the area where you went to school. And it's it's uh, often an un- underutilized resource. It's a shame because there are, I find that people are, will always make time to talk to fellow graduates from an institution.
0: I agree. You know, I have 22 years of experience in higher education and, it, and it, I was always preaching that to the students. If you want to move to a certain area, find out what alumni live there and in many cases especially with a large university I'm here in Tallahassee where Florida State is and I know you've got major universities out your way they're going to have chapters of the alumni association all over the country and actually all over the world so really wherever you are uh, there's a high likelihood that there's an alumni association there that you can become a part of and uh, go to actual events with them and really network in person.
1: Agreed. And, and if you went to a smaller school and there isn't a chapter, it's even more likely that people will make time to, to see you because if you're one of five or 10 people who went to a great college that, uh, across the country and you're in the same town now, there, that is an even more powerful bond, I think.
0: That's, that's a very good point. And I hope that you guys as you listen to this that that what you're realizing is that although we're talking about this specifically to the job market and the hidden job market and looking for jobs. This kind of networking should not be a switch that you turn on and off. It's, it's something that you want to do on a regular basis. Maybe your objective is not always to look for a new job, but you're making contacts, you're connecting other people, you're connecting to other people, and it's all just a very circular process. And um, it's like, I always say Noah didn't wait until it started raining to build the ark. He built it when the sun was shining. <laughs> and that's how you want to build your network when everything is fantastic and amazing so that when you are ready to make a job change, you have the infrastructure to do that.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because so many people, and I, this was certainly true of me earlier in my career, Lisa, think of job hunting as an occasional event during the course of several decades. Uh, okay, I've got a job now. Now I don't have to go to any events. I don't have to stay in touch with uh, my former colleagues. Uh, I don't have to make time to give people informational interviews or volunteer uh, for the chapter of my professional uh, association, because uh, I'm I'm good. I'll think about that in three to five years when I'm ready to make a change. You You have to recognize that Two things, one is job hunting is a skill and you have to work at it throughout your career. And the other thing that is fundamental to uh, job search is service to others and, 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 and networking. It's, it's not something you turn on and off. It has to be uh, a constant throughout your career. It doesn't have to take up large amounts of time, but if you do a little bit of it on a regular basis, it's like saving. Uh, and the power of compound interest, it's going to pay huge dividends throughout the course of a, the 30 or 40 year career that uh, most of us are going to have.
0: And here's the other thing, and I've talked about this on the podcast before you might be able to get an entry level job right out of college just by conducting a passive job search, looking at job boards, and there's no networking in sight. But that is going to be increasingly difficult to achieve as you move through your career. I always tell my entry-level clients, let's make it 50-50 networking and job boards. But by the time you get to, you know, a senior level, it should be at some point, it's pretty much zero job boards and 100%. But for many people, it gets up to about 75% networking, 25% job boards. And if you don't learn that skill and exercise that muscle early on, as you've said, kind of like that saving principle, you're going to have a much steeper learning curve when you're in your 30s, trying to learn this thing that would have really been serving you for 10 years had you learned it
1: right out of college. Agreed. And how you spend your time is so important. I Operate a job board. Most of ninety-five percent of the revenue of our company at MaxList comes from job board listing sales, and I'm proud of the value that we offer both our readers and our employers. But I will be the first to tell you, Lisa, if you're spending a hundred percent of your time on a job board, particularly if you're in mid or senior career status, you're going to have a very difficult job search. You've got to. Uh, look at how you spend your time. And I encourage people typically to spend maybe 20, no more than 30% of their time looking at job boards and the remainder of it, 80, 70% going to events, doing informational interviews, uh, helping uh, in the community. And, and that's how you find out through referrals about these unadvertised jobs.
0: Exactly. And, and, Don't define networking events so narrowly. I I come across this with my clients is that they think there, there must be the word networking in the title or else I can't network there. That's not legit. And the fact of the matter is you can network at a rotary meeting. You can network certainly at the chamber. That's one of the first places I send people. You can network at all kinds of events that aren't expressly for job seekers or employers. And yet that kind of business is going on on the regular.
1: I agree. And it comes back to your, your goals and the companies and uh, other organizations where you want to work. Because once you know where you want to be, then you can identify the professional associations or community organizations where people in that profession, in that sector, hang out. And you once you start going to those events, it doesn't mean Going you know, there, there is a, room, a space for happy hours and and chatting with people in function rooms. But really, networking is about building relationships and it's about helping others. So if you want to work in marketing and you join the local chapter of uh, your uh, the American Marketing Association and you volunteer to organize a, a lunch program or to staff the registration desk or to take photos. Uh, at an event, that gives you the opportunity to, to meet the people in your industry at all levels and to show what you can do and learn about them and build authentic relationships. And that's going to help you find out about the jobs that are never advertised because people will see you, uh, will understand what you can do, and will think of you when the opportunities come up.
0: So true. We are absolutely on the same page with, with all of this, Mac. So y- you've talked about hacking kind of leading to a less frustrating, more successful, certainly kind of a win-win job search. So tell me why that is.
1: If you do what many people do, which is simply look at job board listings and you send in an application, you're going to be competing with 30, 50, 100 other people. And the odds uh sadly are good that you may never hear back uh, about your application and you're not going to get feedback about what you're doing well and and where you might improve and you're going to get frustrated uh, if you rely only on automated tracking uh application systems and you're not hearing back it's it's a very discouraging process <laughs> to say the <laughs> least so, so and I think uh, everybody who's listening has had an experience uh, or probably several dozen, sadly, where they do send in applications and, and they never get a reply from, from the from the employer. So if you're doing that 100% of the time or 80% of your time, you're going to get frustrated. It's much more rewarding, I think, even though you you are going to experience rejection, to get clear about what you want to do and where you want to go and to go out and talk to people who work in those, at those companies and find out about their needs and their, what you have to offer and get feedback about how you might improve your, your candidacy. And it's also an opportunity for you to ask people in the industry you want to be about jobs that might be coming up or, or that are open. And when you do that in a strategic, targeted way, you will hear about openings and what i'm talking about is different than telling people uh well i'm looking for work if you hear of anything let me know that's uh, it's very difficult for anyone to help you when you're that general and you're mm-hmm. unclear about your goal but if you say i'm looking to work for a digital marketing agency in tallahassee i've got 3 to 5 years experience and so it's for an entry-level position with an agency like that, let me know if you hear of anything. Even if the person you're speaking with doesn't work in digital marketing in Tallahassee, they may know of someone who does. And they may say, well, have you talked to my friend, Mary, over at AHA Marketing? I think she'd be a great resource for you. If you're that clear about your goal and you identify the marketing agencies in your market and the people you know who work at those companies or who can introduce you to others, and you start reaching out to those folks, you will not only make a good impression uh, and begin to build relationships with people you don't know, you will hear about those jobs. It's a lot easier uh, and I think less frustrating to have those conversations in the long run, though I recognize it is challenging at first if you've never done it, but the good news is it's a skill. You can learn how to get good at informational interviewing, learn how to get good at goal setting and doing this kind of research it will help you find the companies where you want to be.
0: And the other thing is you can you can follow up with your networking contacts so much better when you have asked a specific thing of them. It's very hard to follow up on, "Hey, did you think of anybody for that random unspecified job that I was sort of interested in?" You know, <laughs> it's much easier to say, you know, just as a reminder, I'm looking for exposition, or I'm looking to meet someone at X agency. Um, have you thought of anything since we met?
1: Yes, you will get much better results, and I recognize as well that it can be hard to set these goals. And it's easier in some ways to say, "Well, I'm open to anything. I'll do whatever it takes." The more specific you are, the more success you will have, and so I think it's so important, Lisa, for someone starting a search to invest the time up front getting clear about their goals and coming up with a a list of the companies where they want to work and you got to do that fundamental work when you do that then you can move on to the informational interviews and and looking at openings publicly posted openings as well at specific job boards if you know you want to work in marketing in Tallahassee you probably don't want to look at craigslist but i bet the tallahassee chapter of the american marketing association has a great job board with probably five or ten positions but it's not volume that matters it's uh that those are the positions that you're most interested in if that's your goal there are all sorts of niche job boards uh some are geographic based like ours some are profession based that should not be your only strategy but your time is better spent focusing on the things that you're most interested in rather than being open to all options.
0: I agree 100% and vague vague requests lead to vague results. And so if you're very sort of putting out into the ether this sort of desperate, graspy, I'll take anything that comes along, that's exactly what comes to you. Employers want you to be focused, they want you to be very clear and concise in what it is you're looking for and to be able to articulate that in a meaningful way. So never be afraid. Now, of course, the the job that you're looking for or the level of that job needs to be in line with your experience, in line with your education, all of that. So there is a, a reality factor that comes into play. But you do want to be very clear in expressing what you're, what you're able to do, what you want to do, and, and what kind of job you're looking for.
1: And when you do that, Lisa, it gives you an advantage over the other applicants. And I hear this from candidates all the time, what can I do to stand out? It's depressing for me to hear, say candidates, that there are 50 applications for this position. How can I show that I'm unique? And the candidates who are clear about what they want do stand out. And I think you probably have a large number of listeners who've done their share of hiring, and I would encourage them, To reflect on on when they've made offers or gone through interviews and, and think about the candidates that really did stand out, I know that they were people who knew exactly what they wanted, had a good understanding of the employer's problems, and offered experiences or shared stories or ideas about how they would address those problems. Too many candidates, because they don't know any better, use the job search as a kind of discovery process <laughs> yeah. and they think well i could do that or that sounds like fun and I'm, I'm not dismissing that if you are interested in working at a particular company and you don't have experience there invest time in informational interviews talking to people who do that work and find out what that would be like and what you would and get advice about how you could uh, ch- demonstrate that your qualifications and skills are transferable but don't use the formal application process to do that because you'll be in a stack of 25 to 50 resumes, the hiring manager who's trying to manage risk and reduce the likelihood that uh, we'll have to let somebody go after three to six months is probably not going to take a chance on interviewing somebody who doesn't appear to have direct experience in that industry and is simply interested in making a transfer uh, or, or exploring it. And it happens, too, in job interviews. Uh, sometimes people are qualified. They come in, and they're asked why they want to work there. And they say, well, you know, I'm interested in learning more about this. And, you know, I, I, I could do this. And uh, this seems like a nice opportunity. Employers want candidates who are excited and laser-focused on solving their problems. And, yes, you, you need to think about your own needs, uh, and you should address those in the interview process, but you should emphasize the employer's needs. In order to do that well, again, you've got to know what you want, where you want to go, and you have to do your homework before you send in the applications.
0: So it's the difference, guys, between saying, you know, if you want an account, an entry-level accounting position, I want this position because I like working with numbers, and I enjoy interacting with clients, I, 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 versus here's what my skill set is and here's how it will benefit you. It's all about them. It's just the other side. I always talk about kind of photographing something from a different angle. It's still you, but you're photographing it from another angle where the employer is seeing how you will benefit them.
1: Exactly. And you, you have to think about that employer's needs. And if you do that, you will stand out from the other candidates and uh, you increase the likelihood that you'll get an offer.
0: Well, we have, we have gone all the way around the hidden job market. I hope that you listeners have at least maybe turned a little bit in the direction of understanding how important this networking piece is. I've certainly hammered it to you guys on a number of occasions Um, that the job boards are often referred to as black holes and that you feel like that's all you're doing is just throwing your application in there. And yes, it's easy, but is easy really what you're going for? Do you not want good? Do you not want a really great position? And so doing this extra effort, especially when you don't want to, it makes all the difference. But here's what happens. And I think, Mac, I'd love to hear your comment on this, but I think I think you'll agree with me. Once you get over yourself and you start doing the networking, you get out of your own head and you think about this from the bigger picture, what this is gonna do for my career, how I might be able to also help the person I'm networking with, I might have something to offer them. Then you will see, you will develop that skill, you'll develop that muscle, you'll get better and it'll get easier. And I promise you, you will be much more invigorated by your job search than if all you're doing is sitting there in your jammies filling out applications online at 11 o'clock at night. What are your thoughts about that?
1: I agree completely. Job hunting is a skill, and you have to invest time, not only at the start of your career, but throughout your career, in getting good at it and looking at how you're spending your time when you're looking for work. You you can't spend 100% of your time on the job boards and again I I'm, I'm a job board operator. I I I we offer great value to the readers and the employers we serve, but you have to understand how job hunting works. So invest the time in getting good at it. The other thing I would add, Lisa is people should not wait to be picked. So many people because they don't know how to look for work other than look at job boards, they simply wait for a posting at a company that interests them, or they wait for a posting that sounds interesting, but because they're unclear about their goals, they get scattered and they're applying everywhere, and they wait to hear back uh, after they've sent in the applications. The good news about taking charge of your job search and learning how to look for work is a skill is once you do the goal setting and you identify the places you wanna go and you work at getting good at informational interviews, at networking, at volunteering, you will start hearing about jobs and you'll have a a pick of choices and and you'll be able to make your own choices and not wait for a hiring manager to choose you from a a crowded field of applicants. I I think people, they want to stand out, they wanna be in charge, and if that's important to you, and I, I expect that's important to all of your listeners, invest the time in looking, learning how to get good at job hunting and figuring out what you want, and you'll have a much more satisfying career.
0: I love it. This is fantastic, Mac. So so if people want to uh, see MaxList, List, get in touch with you, how can, they, how can they reach you?
1: Encourage people to visit our website, maxlist.org. There's a job board there with positions in the Pacific Northwest, and I know you reach a national, even international audience, Lisa, but I, I think the site itself is worth a visit for all of your listeners because we've invested heavily in helping people get good at job hunting as a skill. So we have a section of the site called learn, maxlist.org learn, where you'll find free articles, guides, online courses, and podcast episodes about how you can that will help you learn how to get good at job hunting. And I do host a weekly podcast. It's called Find Your Dream Job. You can find it on our website at maxless.org slash podcast or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play, all the all the regular channels. And every week I talk to a different career expert about the nuts and bolts of job hunting. And we've been uh, publishing the show every Wednesday now for more than four years. So I encourage your listeners to check it out.
0: That's great. How many episodes of you, do you have in your catalog
1: now? 235.
0: Wow. That's, that is like, that's like in dog years, right? Cause so many people drop after what, like 10 episodes of a podcast, you know, you go in there and you find something that looks like it might be interested and you find they have seven episodes from 2013. <laughs> so when you get to those kind of numbers that really says something about about you and you guys I hope you're catching this that he runs a job board and yet he is telling you not to rely on job boards because that is should just be a small piece of your job search so I've preached it to you but now you're hearing it from someone who's in that business so I hope that that really makes an impression on you well Mac I
1: go ahead I I would just add step away from the computer. (laughs) Yes, visit my job board and many other job boards and and spend 15, 20, 30% of your time looking at online postings. But if all you're doing is looking at screens, I say this respectfully, uh, you're going to have a much harder, much more painful, frustrating search than somebody who steps away from the computer and goes out and talks to others about their goals, the places they want to be, and and ask for advice and help about how to get there.
0: And you're gonna be getting that feedback and that data so that your mind knows what you need to work on as opposed to the black hole of the job board where your mind starts to tell you, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm not enough of this, because yeah. you don't have any data. So your brain goes to kind of the worst case scenario in many cases. I have clients who think, oh, I must be too old. Well, they don't have any data to believe that. They just know what, how old they are, but they don't have any data to prove that they're too old to get the jobs they've got. They just know they haven't gotten jobs. So the story in their head is it's because I'm too old. And, and this, I, is I the, ask- this is the solution.
1: Yeah, and I would add, Lisa, take those objections, write them down, and then find people who've overcome them. So if you think that I'll never get a job because I'm new in town and I don't know anybody, find someone who uh, relocated to your, uh, your community and ask them how they uh, broke into the market. If you think I'm too old, I'm in my 50s, and I don't, uh, I'll never get another job, uh, because of ageism, which is a real, ageism is a fact, and find people who've made the transition, ask them how they overcame those objections, learn from them, and, and ask them for advice about how you can do it, whatever the objection might be. And that'll, because that'll, I've had those things in my head too, we all have. And uh, if you want to break that cycle, one of the best ways to do it is to go out and talk to folks who have overcome those challenges.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for being on the on the podcast today. And uh, I hope our listeners will reach out to you and listen to your podcast and check out Mac's list.
1: Thank you for having me, Lisa. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, guys. As always, I want to be your career coach. So reach out to me. You know you can schedule an appointment with me and we can take this to the next level. We can work one-on-one together and I'll let you know what that looks like. We're going to take a look at where you are now, where you want to be, what are the gaps, and how can we get you there? So take a look at the the show notes, get the link to my calendar, get on there. Check me out on all the socials. You know where I'm at and I'll see you next week. Take care. You've been listening to the Exclusive Career Coach with Lisa Edwards, CEO of Exclusive Career Coaching. It would be great if you would rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Also, I want to be your career coach. So be sure to ask questions about your career management challenges and job search situation. Until next time.